All right, thank you, Dan, and thank you, Alyssa, and uh, for all the Calvary students. I, I feel bad now that I mentioned a couple names because there's so many names I could mention here. Uh, and of course, they know me pretty well, having me in class Monday through Friday every day for history. And uh, it, it's fun and uh, interesting, interesting. And uh, uh, we're all characters, including myself, I know. But uh, it's uh, good to have them again with us this morning. And it's been gr great to have the last couple of years, some of them uh, in the volleyball and the basketball program, be able to use the gym for several games and a few practices. And uh, uh, that, that was uh, fun to be able to, whenever we can bring the two together, uh, my, my, the two different places I work, I love to see that. And again, I appreciate their being with us this morning. And uh, they got to hear me preach on Thursday, so this is the second time since, uh, since Thursday they've heard me preach, because um, I preached in chapel, and, uh, which was the same topic that we looked at last Sunday, um, both in the morning and evening service, because our morning services we've been preaching through, as we do here, the book of 1 Corinthians. We try to take a different book of the Bible and preach th through it in a series. Uh, we're coming to the end now of our study of 1 Corinthians in chapter 16. Last week, we uh, looked at the resurrection, the importance of that, and also the coming resurrection of the dead at the rapture, and how much we have to look forward to that. And then in our Sunday evening Bible study, which if, if anyone does not have a Bible study or a church service that they attend on Sunday nights at, at 6 p.m. in the back Sunday school classroom. We have a Sunday, uh, Sunday night Bible study, and uh, lately we've been in the book of Revelation, and we use um, uh, some uh, a Bible study curriculum that we hand out at the end of each lesson, and uh, we are uh, currently have, I think, four or five lessons, five lessons, I believe, left in that study, but we're only in Revelation chapter Five. Uh, we'll be covering a lot of ground, that means, each night the next few weeks. But we've been focusing on the church age, uh, the resurrected Christ, and also the, um, the rapture of the church, both in Sunday morning, Sunday evening, last, last week, and this week in chapel. And so as we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 this morning, um, we are now coming to the last chapter of the book, and as we look forward to the coming, to the return of Christ, and to, uh, first of all, the gathering together of believers to Christ to meet him in the air at the rapture where he will return for his church, as we look forward to that event, it is important that we not just be you know, watching the sky and uh, you know, circling the wagons and going on defense until that time and holding um, what we have, but also that we be faithfully serving Christ as his stewards with the time he has given us in this life. And there's three specific areas that we'll find in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 this morning in which we are to be good stewards, where we are taking care of what God has given us in this intervening time from the time that we have placed our faith in Christ to the time when he will call us home, whether that be at our death or at the rapture of the church. And so three ways we'll be looking at in this passage now 
in which we are to be good stewards. The first one this morning, as we find in the first four verses of 1 Corinthians 16, is in the area of finances. And particularly in the first phrase here in verse 1, we find that first of all, um, God wants us uh, to be good stewards concerning our money and how we give that money, how we collect it for the church, how we give it to the church. Look at verse 1 this morning. Now concerning the collection for the saints. In other words, for the church. And uh, not necessarily just the local church there at Corinth, as you'll see in the context here, but for churches they support. Uh, the, particularly here, Paul is coming to Corinth. And as he's coming to Corinth, there, he's been having a number of cities, a number of churches that he's stopping in as he's evangelist, a church planner, and really a missionary, great apostle for the early church. Uh, he has been in, in, gathering some funds to support the believers, to support the church at Jerusalem, as that church has particularly come under attack and is in need of financial support. And so he is coming, uh, and he, there's already been a message for that collection. But also we see several other principles here that are good for any time, any church, any believer. Let's look at the next phrase of verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches. Notice this collection, the, the giving of funds, the giving of money uh, for, the, for the church here is, is not an option here as Paul presents it. It's a mandate. He's given an order, which another word for that would be a command or even appointment. He is appointed that this offering would be taken for the churches, uh, from the churches for the church, especially at Jerusalem. Uh, and look of Galatia, even so do ye. So he said, I've, I've asked for a Galatian church to prepare for this uh, support, and he's asking for them as well. In verse 2, upon the first day of the week, every one of you. So notice he's saying on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, and a, a tradition that we have been keeping since Christ's resurrection on the first day of the week of the church meeting together, gathering together to fellowship, to worship God, to encourage one another and to study his word, to read epistles such as this letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and to uh, give to the support of the ministry and you know, the spread of the gospel and the discipleship of believers. And notice it's not um, for just uh, a, a few particular believers, but he's asking that everyone, verse 2, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Notice he's given another principle here, that of a regular giving, a laying up in store, a preparation, rather than you know, just when there's a need of the church, as when he arrives, as when he's coming, all of a sudden taking up a collection at that time. He's saying every Sunday, every Sunday, there should be a collection, an offering that's taken up, and a, a store, uh, a, a supply that is being built up so that when there is a need, when there is an occasion, which will come when Paul arrives, then they are ready with that supply to support the ministry of the church. And it's the same principle that should be applied for churches today, that every Sunday we give toward the offering and not just when you know, something breaks down and then we have an emergency uh, collection, emergency offering, but every Sunday we have a, a regular um, collection of offering that is a recognition 
um, that what we have belongs to God. We've looked at this principle previously when we've looked at tithing on one particular uh, Sunday since I've been here. It's not, not something I've devoted a lot of messages to, but the principle here that is given for us, even in this collection at the Church of Corinth, if you look with me, notice in verse 2, is proportional. Every man, every one of you lay by him in, in store as God hath prospered him, as God has prospered him. In the Old Testament, you had the principle of the tithe, which was a 10%. Um, and of course, there was a number of other offerings that different uh, Old Testament believers had to participate in at, at Passover and other feasts and other uh, first fruits that they participated in. So it actually added together to more than 10% of their income. But that tithe that is continued to be of tradition in the church of giving a 10% or a certain portion the principle here is as God hath prospered you. In other words, you're, now, you're acknowledging when you give a portion of your income to the Lord in the offering that you are acknowledging the rest of my income comes from God. God has given it to me. And according, proportionally, whether it's 10% or any certain given percentage of that income, you're giving back a portion of that to the Lord, recognizing that he is the one that has prospered you. And again, Paul concludes that there be no gatherings when I come. In other words, not at the last minute, not just once in a while, but this is each Sunday. And they're laying aside a store to supply, to support the ministry of the church. Look at verse 3. And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem." Your liberality, the, their generosity, their giving, whatever amount of those Sunday offerings that they have set aside particularly to send to Jerusalem, however much they have decided, uh, and on our envelopes for our church offerings, there's a, there's a, a check for if it's a tithe, for, or if it's for the mission fund, the building fund, the choir fund, or some other designated fund. So he's saying, however much you designate to go to the church of Jerusalem, when I come, when Paul comes, he says, I will not just take it with me. He's asking, please have a committee. In our church, we have a group called the trustees. They count the offering and they oversee um, the distribution of those funds and paying the uh, approving of expenses that come up. And also, of course, the treasurer uh, overseeing the regularly budgeted expenses that the church has. And that is the principle that Paul is putting in place even here, where he's saying there should be several people that are going to go with me. Paul is saying, don't just give me the money and trust me to distribute it. You're going to send some designated people with me. They're going to oversee that distribution, make sure that the money gets to where it's supposed to go. And uh, that's what he's saying here at verse 4. And if it is me, that I go also they shall go with me, that committee of people, those trustees that are going with Paul to help make sure that that money uh, gets to where it is to go. And so there's some important principles there that even I myself felt a little convicted of because I, although I tithe uh, on my, uh, all of my income every month, I usually don't give every single Sunday. I give a full tithe uh, based on when I get my paycheck and twice a month or if I miss one, one, and I figure, well, that saves on checks, right? Checks cost money. But now we've got these envelopes that we've given out based on IRS requirements, but also the principle here found in the scripture that on the first day of the week, and so we have an envelope labeled for all the members uh, that have been given out to members. And if, if you haven't got one, you can get that box envelopes from Rick. And there's an envelope for each 
each week of the year. And so when I took the envelope out for the offering, I noticed, wait a minute, this is the wrong date. I got the wrong date on this. And this is a principle of just giving a portion each Sunday that is there for everyone to be, and it's a part of our worship, uh, which is why we have an offering collected in our worship service. We actually don't do that in our evening service or in our Wednesday night service. Just the first day of the week on the first uh, service, the main morning service each week. That's a principle that goes right back here to 1 Corinthians 16. That's the first area, our finances, in which we can be good stewards, where we can uh, recognize God has given this money to me, make, and I'm going to make sure that I use it for his glory, starting by giving a portion back to him. And of course, that means you have to be um, careful in how you use the rest of it so that it uh, goes as far as you need it to. And then the second area in which we are to be good stewards is the opportunities that God gives. Uh, this morning we had an opportunity to have the Calvary uh, Ensemble. A few, a few weeks ago when, when uh, Mrs. Jen Forty offered that, I jumped at that opportunity. That is an opportunity God brought us to have them here with us this morning. We're very grateful for the opportunity. But any person that enters our life, any um, choice that we have in front of us, we have an opportunity, even things that sometimes we see as an obstacle and not an opportunity. Can, if we respond in the right way, it's an opportunity to grow, an opportunity not to get discouraged, an opportunity to become stronger, an opportunity to grow as a believer, as a young man, a young woman, as a leader, as a father or a mother or as a wife or husband. In whatever role that situation arises, whether good or difficult, any challenge, any blessing is an opportunity from the Lord. We often, we often use the phrase door, the door of opportunity. Where does that come from? It comes from the Bible. Look at verse 9. For a great door, ineffectual, is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. This is the idea, there's a door of opportunity. We'll back up, back to where we left off. In verse 5, Paul has the opportunity to visit certain cities. God has provided that opportunity to him. And he wants to make sure he has the best use of it as a good steward of Christ. Look at verse 5. Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. Now notice in opportunities that come Paul's way. Notice he starts with his intention and what he will do. But then he brings in a very important phrase, that it's not ultimately what he intends or what he wants, but how God directs and leads him. Look at the following verses. Verse 6, and it may be, it may be, notice he uses that language, it may be. Why? Because God may redirect him, may provide a different route, a different opportunity. And it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you. It may be that he will be able to spend the winter at Corinth with the Corinthians, with the church that he's writing this letter to. That ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. So he's telling them, it's not just an opportunity for me, it's an opportunity for you to be a part of my ministry. Not only to sit under his teaching, but to help support him and send him out to other churches, including back to Jerusalem where there's particular needs that he's already mentioned in the area of financial stewardship. 
So it's an opportunity. His coming to Corinth, his going to Macedonia, these are opportunities the Lord gives to Paul and leads him. And notice that Paul is very flexible in these opportunities uh, in how God will provide. He has a certain intention, a certain plan that he makes and how to use God's opportunities. But then look at verse 8. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost for a great... Oh, uh, skip to verse 7. Go back to verse 7 for a moment. For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you if the Lord permit. That's the key phrase there, if the Lord permit. So if the Lord gives him that opportunity, he will take that opportunity and he will, he will use it as a good steward of that opportunity. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. That's his plan. But then again, comes back to verse 9. That's his plan. That's his intention. But verse 9, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me. What's going to be most effective? God will lead him into that opening the door of opportunity. And there are many adversaries. And there are sometimes obstacles in the way, even those who oppose. And we'll come back to that at the end of the chapter. Even sometimes those that oppose um, the ministry of Paul. And yet it's an opportunity to be a testimony in the face of that. In the early church, the church would encounter such persecution that later in church history, one famous uh, Christian said the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, meaning that Christians, even when they faced opposition, even when they, even when they faced, as Paul said, adversaries, enemies of the gospel, they responded to the opportunity to be faithful despite the, um, the obstacle, despite the adversary. And even in things that don't seem like they're very important. It seems like there's nothing good that can come out of this. You ever have a, a bad day, something just goes wrong, and you say, there's nothing good going to come out of this. It's still an opportunity to just pick yourself up. And for example, very menial thing that happened to me this morning. Uh, you think there's nothing good that can come out of this. Uh, I knocked uh, something into the toilet and had to stick my hand in the toilet and pull it out. Uh, and I just had to. There's no, no getting past it. There's no, no, you just have to wash it off and move on. It gets no sense getting upset. And there's the old saying, no, it's not worth crying over spilled milk. Um, sometimes you have things happen that you didn't want to happen, but going forward, you simply have to adjust. Whether uh, a couple weeks ago we had a flat tire, just had to change it. And you don't know what's going to happen from that point. If you meet someone because you had the flat, and, and, and sometimes it doesn't, but it's an opportunity again where things seem like this is a challenge, this is an adversary, this is an obstacle, and you just have to keep going forward, and it's an opportunity to become stronger, as we'll see later in this passage. The third area in which God wants us to be good stewards is in the area of the people that we work with, that we meet, that God sends to us. The, third way in which we need to be a good steward is with the people that God sends to us. Every person we meet, whether it's a good friend or whether it's someone who's not such a good friend or someone maybe that we'll never see again. It's in, it is uh, something we are to be a good steward of. God has sent that person, whether for that, those few seconds, that we can perhaps be a light to in our testimony, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we respond to them, whether they're kind, whether they're not. And what we do as a steward of Christ, 
Christ has provided that person to be in our life for however long it is, whether it's as a student, as a teacher, as um, a parent of a child, God has sent that person to you, whether it's uh, the church you attend, the, every person who walks through these doors, God has sent them to us for that service that they're with us. Do we be, are we good stewards with the people God sends us? Uh, a person that God sent to, is going to send to Corinth, that uh, Paul wants the Corinthians to um, be good, good stewards of is, for example, Timothy in verse 10. Now, if Timothy come, see that he may be with, with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord as I do. Timothy's a young minister, very young, and so he, he would tend to be uh, less paid attention to, less um, cooperated with, perhaps, but Paul is warning them, even though he's young, even though he's maybe not as experienced, perhaps he's new in his ministry, receive him. Don't make him afraid. And look at verse 11, let no man therefore despise him. When he wrote to Timothy, in his letters to Timothy, First and Second Timothy, Paul told Timothy, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation and faith and hope and charity. I believe that was the senior verse last year at Calvary. And uh, that may have been a different one, but I believe that was that verse. And as verse 12, we come to verse 12, Timothy's example of someone that God has sent to Corinth to encourage them, but the Corinthians can also be an encouragement to him and the way they receive him and the way they respond to him. And then in verse 12, here is another circumstance, another person that God may send or, or may not to the Corinthian church. From earlier chapters in Corinth, we know that a lot of people in Corinth were big uh, supporters, big followers of Apollos, where they would say, I'm a follower of Apollos, or Apollos baptized me. And they were very proud of that fact because he was such uh, an eloquent speaker that people, uh, just like leaders today, sometimes people get behind them, whether it's in sports or politics, or even uh, great preachers, and people align themselves with that person. And uh, Paul warned about that earlier in the book of 1 Corinthians. And now he comes back to Apollos here in verse 12 as touching our brother Apollos. I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren. But his will was not at all to come at this time, but he will come when he shall have a convenient time. Notice people don't always cooperate with us the way we want them to. Paul wanted Apollos to come to the Corinthians at this time, and, and Apollos said no. Um, even though Paul said, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brother. But his will, Apollos' will, was not to come at this time, but he will come when he shall have a convenient time. And, you know, that is one of, one of the difficulties, one of the challenges for any church when, when someone leaves a church, whether it's because they pass away or they're ill and they're not able to be in church anymore, they're at home or not able to be out as much because of health, or whether it's someone who chooses not to be with us any longer. That's uh, another situation, another circumstance that we have to be a good steward of. And notice the specific instructions that were given for such a situation in verse 13. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men and be strong. In other words, it would, you would all love to have Apollos, that, 
very effective communicator and leader in the church with you to help you while I'm not able to be with you. While Paul himself is not able to be there. He's sending Timothy. He's going to come when he can. He's trying to get Apollos to go and help the Corinthian church as they need that leadership, as they need that encouragement. But in the absence of this particular person, Apollos, Paul says, watch ye. Be on guard. Don't let yourself be discouraged. Don't let um, things that need to be done go undone just because Apollos is not there. Stand fast in the faith. Hold to your faith. Trust in God. God is good. And whether a person comes or a person goes, God is in control. The Lord blesses, the Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. And ultimately, God is in control and God is good all the time. And he says, quit you like men. In other words, uh, if there's a need in the church that needs to be filled because this man, Apollos, is not able to fill it at this time, fill it. Step up and be that person. Be that man. And be strong. Grow stronger. You know, um, things that happen that we don't want to happen. They can either make us better or they can make us better. Uh, it's how we choose to respond. We have to be good stewards with how we interact with people or circumstances that people bring to us. Verse 14, let all things be done with charity. Every way that we respond with people that come to us or any interactions we have with people, or in this case, Apollos, not cooperating the way Paul would like him to, um, let all things be done with charity, with love, with love. Let all things be done with love. And verse 15, I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia, that they have addicted themselves to the mystery of the saints. The first people to come to Christ in the region of Achaia, one of whom is a Stephanus and his family, they're addicted, notice the language here, addicted to the ministry of the saints. They're addicted to serving. Every opportunity they get, they want to come and serve. We've got people like that in the church here even. Yesterday morning after the prayer breakfast, one person came and was, thought it was the next week we were going to have this church work day, and he was beginning to do some of the uh, work even though no one else was here. And I went out, and, and, and uh, some people are just, they're given to serving, and that's a good thing. And it's being held up as an example. It's held up as an example here by Paul for all of us to follow. Verse 16, that ye submit yourselves unto such. Notice that people who give themselves to service, who are in full-time ministry, or giving themselves to service in some way, perhaps as, as a deacon, or a trustee, or some other position, that they have given themselves to serve in. It says, um, or perhaps a missionary, an evangelist, a pastor. For they, this person who is addicted to the ministry and serving the church, the saints, Submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth us and laboreth. So, in other words, follow their example and help them and support them and work with them. And look at verse 17. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus, again, who was mentioned earlier, and then two other individuals, two other people that uh, the church of Corinth should be a good stewards with. I am glad for the coming of these individuals, for they... For that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. In other words, there were needs in the Corinthian church. And perhaps things that people in the Corinthian church should have been doing, 
um, whether it's a need that they have or something they should be doing that they're not doing, these three individuals have stepped forward and they've volunteered to get involved and help in those areas. And you know, we all always have areas like that in churches, whether it's working in the nursery, teaching Sunday school, children's church, singing in the choir, singing a special music, leading songs, um, helping with the offering, um, helping with the cleaning of the church, and helping you know, pour the grape juice into the communion cups. There's always something available to do if you are willing to, to help out in, in a certain way that God calls you to. And these are examples of people like that right here in Corinth and uh, in the other areas that they were involved in. Look at verse 18. For they have refreshed my spirit. Notice they are an encouragement to Paul personally because of their help, their support. For they have refreshed my spirit in yours. Therefore, I acknowledge ye them that are such. The children of Asia salute you, and Aquila and Priscilla as, uh, salute you. In other words, we should have, notice this is another church. This is not the Corinthian church. This is the church that is in the house of Aquila and Priscilla. Just like we have people from different churches coming together here and greeting us this morning through the music ministry of Calvary Baptist Church Academy and uh, also the, the, pian the normal pianist for Temple Baptist Church and several other people from different churches that are represented in the ensemble today, we should greet one another. We should have a, um, uh, a love and a spirit of cooperation and support for people from other churches here. It says in verse 19, the churches of Asia salute you, Aquila and Priscilla salute you, uh, and much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. Every one of us, if, we're a, if we are a believer, we are a brother in Christ, and we should greet one another, be supportive of one another, be friendly and cooperative with one another. Not, you know, competing and, and uh, being a... Uh, adversaries to one another, but being uh, saluting and greeting one another, being supportive and friendly to one another. And then finally, Paul himself is an example of such. The salutation of me, Paul, with mine own hand. If any man not love the Lord Christ. So what about those who are not believers? What is our response to those people? How are we good stewards with people who are not believers? We've seen how we're to be stewards uh, with those who God sends to our church, with those who are from other churches. But what about people who are not believers at all? How do we respond to them? Notice, we should not let such discourage us or keep us from serving the Lord, uh, but rather know that God has a time when he will meet with them. Verse 22 says, If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anthema and maranatha. Those two words, the idea is accursed at his coming. In other words, when Christ returns, or, uh, and when he finally, at the end of the world, will deal with those who have rejected him, that's between them and Christ. It's not up to us to, to uh, be the enemy of those who are not of Christ. We are to try and win them, to shine the light into their life, to direct them to Christ who can redeem them and bring them into our family, the family of God, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And verse 23, the grace in everything we do as stewards for God, we need to remember the grace, the free gift that God gives us that we don't deserve. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. We should always have that spirit of grace that Christ has given to us with one another as his stewards. My love be with all in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so he ends with that important 
ever-reaching, all-reaching principle, love. That as stewards, as we're busy serving, for example, Martha and Mary, sisters who were both close friends of Christ. One was focused on the serving, the other one was focused on her relationship and hearing the teachings of Christ. All of that should come together as we're stewards, that we should have that love for one another and for Christ. Amen. And in this passage now, let's ask ourselves as we look back on it, are we good stewards of everything Christ gives us? Are we good stewards in the area of finances and any money that God allows us to have do we give a portion back to the Lord, to the support of the church? In the area of opportunities, if we have an opportunity to be a light, to be a testimony, if something bad happens to us, if something good happens to us, do we use it to give God the glory with how we respond to that opportunity? If we have an opportunity to share the gospel, if we have an opportunity to give a tract, do we take advantage of that opportunity? If we have an opportunity to pray for someone, if we have an opportunity to encourage someone, if we have opportunity to invite someone to church, do we respond the way God wants us to as a good steward in how we use that opportunity for the glory of God? And third, again, how do we use the opportunity of the people in our life, the people that we interact with and how we respond and how we encourage and build one another up and support them in our life? Are we good stewards? Are we faithful stewards to God with the money, with the opportunities, and with the people that God sends our way. Let's close in prayer this morning. 